0: All right. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, we'll begin reading. The Bible says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now the book of Proverbs, of course, is like one of my favorite books in all the Bible. I try to read it quite often and uh, the New Testament equivalent to the book of Proverbs is the book of James. And uh, you can read those two simultaneously and it is a blessing. A proverb is basically a condensed saying that has gigantic implications, a condensed saying that has gigantic implications. God puts big truths in little packages And uh, that is good for people to hear, especially for preachers. You can put a big truth in a little package, and some men are the masters of almost saying something in two hours' time. Amen. And uh, we were taught in Bible college that a sermon does not have to be eternal to be effective. And uh, it amazes me that men can get up and speak for 45 minutes and say nothing. That just blows my mind. Some men are masters at it. It really is good. Uh, but that's why I like the book of Proverbs because it's really condensed. I mean, you can read one verse and man, you can think about that and, and just the weight of what was said so succinctly in that one little verse is just unbelievable. And I really think that's, that's a sign of wisdom and uh, simplicity is always profound and, and brevity is always useful as well. And so you find here in this chapter, uh, in Proverbs 1 here, that, uh, man, he's just going through and talking about these things. And Solomon really was the wisest man on the earth next to Jesus Christ, and he was the human penman that God used to pen most of this stuff. Uh, But I want to give you three things, if I can, and and I don't know, maybe you want to write these things down. There's three things in the uh, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs that I want to give to you. Number one is God's counsel, God's counsel, and then number two is man's choice. And then number three is life's consequences. God's counsel, man's choice, and then life's consequences. And really, that's how all of everything works, really. I mean, God says, Here, here's how it works. And then man has to make a decision of, okay, am I going to do what God said works, or am I going to kind of find my own way in this? And then it talks about life's consequences. And really, there are consequences in life. Uh, one of the main things that as a you know one of the main responsibilities as a parent when you have little little kids is to teach them that there are consequences for your behavior you can't just throw a fit and and act ugly and 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 nothing happened there's going to be a price to pay for that. Uh, one of the worst things a parent can do is just allow their kid to have a little temper tantrum and and never deal with that because if you don't deal with it, somebody eventually is going to deal with it. And that person is going to love them far less than you do. Lots of times it may be somebody with a badge who's going to deal with that. Oh, yeah, right. And uh, that's oftentimes the case. I, didn't, I haven't had enough coffee this morning. I'm probably going to be ugly, okay? So y'all, be, y'all just buckle up. It'll be alright. Um, but God's counsel, man's choice, and then life's consequences. I want you to go to uh, verse number 8 of chapter 1. I want you to see here that there. it says in verse 8, it says, My son, hear the instruction... Of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. And so the picture here in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is a father telling his son that you need to listen to me. Uh, The father has some lessons, some truths, and bits of wisdom that he wants to give his son. And you see it repeatedly here in these chapters uh, that the father is basically begging his son, Please, will you please listen to me? And really, God is doing the same thing to me and you. God is begging His people, begging His children, "Would you please listen to me for once? Would you please stop doing this your way? I know how this works, and I know how it works a whole lot better than you do. And if you'll just please listen to me, I can help you. But the sad part is, many of us do not do that." Uh, Proverbs one eight says, "My son, hear the instruction of my of thy father." Go to Proverbs chapter number two, if you'll go there and uh, get you. We're going to flip to just a few verses here. Uh, Look what it says in chapter 2 verse 1. He says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. So he's begging. He's saying, please listen to me. Proverbs 3 verse 1 says this. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. And he goes on in chapter 4 verse 1. He says, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Uh, Go to verse number 20 in uh, chapter 4. It says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Uh, Go to chapter 5 verse 1 it says, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to understanding. Uh, go to chapter 7 and we'll just give you two more here. There's several more, but uh, chapter 7 verse 1 says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. And verse number 24 says this, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. You know what? This is a father speaking to his son. He's saying, Please listen to me for once. Please listen to me. And really, God's doing the same thing to me and you. He's saying, would you please, please listen to me? Uh, there was a story years ago that I, I had read about, and I could not find the article. I've got, I've got one article here, but I could not find this article for this. Uh, but there was a story of a man who uh, was a, a hunter in Alaska, and he chartered a Cessna flight to go out to a certain area so that he could hunt elk elk. And as he's on this flight going out there, uh, you know, it's just him and the pilot, and he's got all his hunting gear in the back. As he's going up there and flying out a couple hours to this hunting area, he notices that the pilot all of a sudden just passes out. And he's up there in the single-engine single, you know, single engine Cessna, and he's not flying this plane. And all of a sudden, the pilot's sitting there laying on the floor having a seizure, and he didn't know what to do. And so he grabs that radio and fumbles through it and says, Hello, hello, I need help, I need help, somebody help me. And they said, Who is this? He said, "He said I'm so-and-so. And they said, Well, what plane are you in? He said, I don't know what plane I'm in. We took off from, I don't even know what to tell you. I don't speak this radio talk. And uh, they, said, they said, Wait one, wait one. And he waited there for a minute and they said, Okay, are you the one that took off from this airport at such and such a time? And he said, Yeah, that, that's me, that's me. And they said, What's wrong? He said, The pilot's out. I don't know what to do. I've never flown a plane before, I have no idea what to do, and he's up there, way up there, and they said, okay, we're going to track you on the GPS, just wait one, keep the plane level until we get back to you, and so he grabbed that, 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 uh, whatever, I, what do you call that thing, the, uh, what is that called? The yoke. The yoke. Is that what it's called, really? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's weird, I learned something today. See, that shows what I know about airplanes. He grabbed the yoke, and he just kind of held it together, and made sure that it didn't go off, and. Finally, they radioed back to him and said, all right, sir, here's what we're going to do. Here's your situation. You're bearing this direction, and there is a 12,000-foot-tall mountain in your direction, and you're going to have to maneuver this plane, and you're going to have to do everything I say, and if you don't listen to me, you're going to die. And he got real serious real quick. And in a sense, God's really trying to do the same thing to me and you. God's saying, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls out there in life. There's a lot of easy ways to ruin your life. And if you don't learn to listen to me, you're going to destroy everything. Right. And the sad thing is I've seen men destroy their families because they wouldn't listen. I've seen men destroy their jobs because they wouldn't listen. I've seen people destroy their bodies because they wouldn't listen. I've seen people just, I've, I've seen people really try to hurt a church because they wouldn't listen. It's devastating. And the truth is, God gives his counsel to people. And the question is, are we going to listen? Um, I just, I get, because of my YouTube channel, I get emails almost every day from people saying, hey, here's my situation, what do you think? And the truth is, I think, man, it's in some cases almost too late, almost too late. You you didn't listen all your life. And now, now you've got a long, you've got a long litany of things that you have reaped in your life. And really, it's hard. And, and I try to give people wisdom, and try to give people my take on things, and try to point people to a good church. But I think I find a lot of people today they just don't listen. Um, I'm going to give you this real quick. When I was in high school football, I went from eighth grade to ninth grade, and I was 14 years old. And uh, we walked into the field house, and they said, "All right, we're going to have ninth grade football team practice." And I thought, "All right, this is going to be good." Well, they said, before we get started, Coach Maloof is gonna come talk to us. Now, Coach Maloof was the varsity head coach. He was the top dog. He was the big guy. And, uh, we were just so shocked. Coach Maloof is gonna come down to us, ninth graders, and he's gonna talk to us. I mean, this was like Nick Saban coming down and talking to us. This was a big deal. Oh man, we're about to have a meeting with Coach Maloof. And so we all sat in the room and the door swung open and here he came, Coach Maloof. He was a no-nonsense man. He, he dipped snuff. He was scary. He, you know, he, he, he was, he was, man, he cussed a lot. He was a real tough, mean guy. And he walked in the room and we were just all scared. And he came and he didn't sit in a chair, he just sat on a big table. And this is what he said to us. He said, I'm glad you're all here, but I want to tell you something. He said, "Uh, all of you boys are incredibly stupid. And I thought, man, this is not going well. (laughs) And, uh, And he said this. He said, matter of fact, you boys are so stupid... You are stupid to a point that you actually think you know everything. And I thought, wow, this is not what I thought it would be. And he said, but if you boys will just learn to listen to us coaches and do what we say and play by our rules, then we can make great football players out of you. And I thought, okay, all right, that makes sense. I'm good with that. And the truth is, I've never forgot that story because I've met so many people, not, not even ninth graders, preacher, I've met adult people that were so stupid that they actually thought they knew everything. Is everybody alright this morning? A man who knows everything really is a man who knows nothing. Can I tell you, if you, if you look at life and you think you've got to figure it all out, then you, don't, you haven't even begun to understand yeah. life. And that's really what God says there. Okay, is everybody all right? Let me let me read a verse real quick before y'all get too mad at me. Okay, Proverbs chapter eight. Let's go there, and um, verse thirty-two. Proverbs eight thirty-two. God's giving His counsel here. Proverbs eight thirty-two. The Bible says, "Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that had kept keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise." and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at the gates, waiting at the post of my door. Whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. That's talking about wisdom. And by the way, wisdom, you can't get that from a book. The only way you get wisdom is you get it from God. You get it from walking with God. You get it from implementing God's ways into your life. That's how you get wisdom. You don't get that from education. I've met a lot of educated people that were fools. And you see them on TV all the time. Yeah. yeah Their names are Bill Nye. Yeah. There's another one. He's uh he's a big scientist. He's a black fella, and he he mocks the Bible constantly. He's a big name in evolution science. You know, he, he may have a bunch. Of, he may have so many degrees on the wall that he's a thermometer. But he's a big fool's what he is. Right, right. That's exactly right. Amen. Right. Yeah. Did you know that um, businesses will actually hire people? to come in and find fault. They're called consultants. Yeah. And what they do is they say, come on in, I want you to come, and here's everything, here's our operation, here's, what, here's the books, here's how we do it. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Businesses do that, but Christians don't. That's right. Christians don't go to a pastor or to godly council and say, tell me, what do you think of this? What, did I, what am I doing wrong here? They don't do that. because You know why? Because we're proud. And the reason we don't do that is because we don't have wisdom. I believe that seeking counsel is a sign of wisdom. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. You don't have it all figured out. And neither do I. And that's why I have to consult others for that. So that's God's counsel. I'm going to go on to the next point because some of you are getting nervous this morning. Amen. God's counsel. But let me say number two, there's Man's choices. Man's choices. What I find here in, this, in several of these chapters, if you go back to chapter 1 real fast, is that God says to his people, he says, look, I've got something for you. I've got wisdom for you. I've got instruction for you. And man has to make a choice to receive that instruction or to reject that instruction. I want to say this real fast, that um, basically there's two personifications here in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. Number one, there's two ways that a man can go. And really, I see in the first nine chapters that there's two women. There's the virtuous woman, and then there's the wicked woman. There's the, way, there's the way of the wicked, and then there's the way of the righteous. And then also it says, talks about the woman of wisdom. There's a woman of wisdom, and then it says there's a woman of whoredoms in the first nine chapters. Now, let's go to the two ways of life. Uh, chapter 1, verse 15. Um, let's, go, let's go verse... Uh, Let's just, let's see here. Let's go to chapter 2. Let's go there for the way of the wicked, the ways of life. Chapter 2, verse 15 um, says this. Excuse me, verse 12. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12 says, To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things, who leaveth the paths of uprightness, who walketh in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked... And they are forward in their paths, and it goes on. Says here about the strange woman. It goes there in verse number nineteen. Says talks about this strange woman. He says none that goeth un, that go unto her return again. Neither take hold, take they hold of the paths of life. So you see, there it's almost like there's two ways, and there's two women that can be had there. Look in chapter four, if you will, um, and let's start here in verse number fourteen. Man has a choice about the way that he has to go in life. Verse 14 says this, Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. That's the path of the wicked. It's a miserable existence. And many of you know people that are on that path. You know people who... You work with people that are on that path. They find joy in destruction. They find joy in sin. They find pleasure in causing trouble. And you know people like that, and so do I. That's the path of the wicked. Look in verse number 18. There is the path of the just and the righteous, though. It says in verse number 18, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. You know, here's the thing that there's two paths and this is what God says about the two paths. The path of the wicked starts out fun and then the longer you get on it, the less and less and less fun that it is. I've met people in jail. I've done a little bit of jail ministry. I do enjoy jail ministry and I enjoy that because I like talking to crazy people. I feel comfortable around them. Uh, but, you know, they, they generally tell you the same story. Yeah. Yeah. They all say, I never would have thought it would end up like this. It just started out with this little thing, and in that turn to that, turn to that, turn to that, turn to that. And then they'll sit in jail and they'll tell you it's not fun anymore. And because it starts out fun, and after a while it gets worse and worse and worse, and it even gets to the point where a lot of people say, I don't even want to live anymore. But the path of the just is as a shining light. And sometimes when you first get started in the Christian life, you'll have some opposition. You'll have family say, no, you're going crazy. You've got religion. That's that's insane. You're nutty. What are you doing going to church three times a week? And you'll have some some struggles with that. But as time goes on, it gets better and better and better and better and better to the point now where it's like, man. Hallelujah. All this in heaven too. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I look at people on TV, the movie stars and the rap stars, and they got all the, all the cars and houses and stuff, and I think, ah, you ain't got nothing. Right. Yeah. You know why? Because you want the path of the wicked. Yeah. And eventually those people yeah. get miserable. Yeah. Right. So there's two paths that a man can take. And then also I see here that there's, in a sense, the, the, there's two women here. There's the woman of wisdom, and then there's the woman of whoredoms. And it personifies wisdom as a woman. Go to chapter 1, verse 20. I want you to see this. Wisdom is personified as a beautiful woman. And look at this. And I want you to notice all the pronouns in these verses. It says, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, Woman, uh, Wisdom crieth without she. Do you notice that she? It's a woman. She uttereth her voice in the street. She crieth. In the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates in the city, she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity, and the scorners delight, and their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge? Uh, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called, and you refused. And, and it goes on there. Let's go on to uh, chapter 3, if you will. Chapter 3, verse 15, talks about this, wi- this woman of wisdom, this woman of wisdom, it says there in uh, look in verse number fifteen. For she, that's that's wisdom. She is more precious than rubies. Let me ask you a question. What would be what's more important, the money or the wisdom? How to get the money? What's more important? Is is is? I mean, you look at these NFL players coming out of these ghettos. And then they, they, they pour $15 million on them and they, just, they, they squander it. They don't even know what to do with it. They've never even seen that kind of money in their life. So what's more important? The wisdom how to make the money or the money itself? I think, I think you know the answer to that. It talks about wisdom. It says, "...she is more precious than rubies, and all things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her." That's wisdom. Uh, look what it says. "...length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand riches in honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness." and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Oh boy, don't you want that? Amen. Don't you want that? Why would you not want that? Right. But there is a, another woman, and it talks about, and I, I take the Bible literally, but I do think there is, a, uh, there is an application here of the wisdom of the world, talking about the, the woman of whoredoms. If you go to chapter 5, um. And uh, let's see here, go to chapter 7, if you will. It talks about this ugly, ugly, ugly situation with this, this woman of whoredoms. And it talks about, uh, let's see here, verse number 6 of chapter 7. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and, behold, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man, void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner. That's the woman of whoredoms. That, if I could put it to you this way, that's the wisdom of the world. That's the wisdom that says you need to live together before you get married. That's the, that's the wisdom that says you don't need to go to church. You don't need to tithe. You could, you could put all that money in a 401k and make a lot of money. You don't need to do all that. That's the wisdom of the world, this whorish woman here. Look what it says in verse number 8, passing through the street near her corner, and she and he went the way to her house in the twilight in the evening in the black and the dark night, and there met him a woman with the entire of a harlot and the subtlety of heart. And Let me just say this literally real quick because I'm a, I'm a legalist, fair say, called Fundamental Baptist, but let me just say that you can tell a lot about a woman by the way she dresses. Absolutely. I just want to throw that out there for free. Amen. And I'll be on the road in a couple weeks. You can get over it. Amen. So... But it goes there, and look what it says about the last uh, thing about this, this woman. Um, verse number 22 about the, this woman here. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. You ever seen somebody get into something and you say, that's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. You ever seen people go down that path in life? Mm-hmm. I see people in church pews do that. Right. Yeah. And you say, oh, I don't know about that. That's, it's, it's like you're watching a car wreck in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And you know what's about to happen. And you know it's coming. And the funny thing is, everybody knows it except them. And you can tell them, no, you don't want to do that. And they say, no, nope, I'm good. No, nope, I don't know. Nope. We're not going to talk about that. Nope, nope, I, no, no, I, no, no. And you say, no, listen, I'm telling you that's not going to. And they, nope, I know what I'm doing. What do you do with people like that? What do you do? What, what, what am I supposed to do to you? What am I supposed to tell you? You won't listen. You don't listen. You, you've chosen the wisdom of the world. And you're going like an ox to the slaughter. And the truth is some, some of these people... The sad part of it is, is that they take their children with them, yeah. Yeah. and it's so sad to see that. It's so sad to see that. And I'm not here to beat up on people who've had tragedy, but the worst kind of tragedy is the ones that could have been avoided if you just listen. Right. Those are the worst ones. And um, I, I don't know if I should say it, but I'm going to say it. I had uh, there's a man who we stood behind this church, and he don't go here no more. But he stood behind this church, and he told me. He said. He said, I really made a big mistake with my life, Spencer. I said, what's that? And he said, I raised all three of my kids in their teenage years on the lake, hiking, and now all three of my kids are really messed up now as adults. He said, I wish I could go back 15 years and have made a different choice, gone a different path. And I thought, oh boy, that's so sad that he said that. And he's, uh, he, he was sorrowful. And I thought to myself, oh, God, help me never to make that. When I'm his age, help me never have to say that about my family, about my choices in life. And so man has a choice. You have a choice. I have choices. God has spoken and we have a choice to say, OK, I'm going to do that or I'm not going to do that. That's our choice. So we have God's wisdom, man's choices. And then also, let's say number three real quick. And I'm going to be done here on time this morning. Y'all can congratulate me later. But then number three, there's life's consequences. Life's consequences. Um, every choice has consequences. And even the choice not to choose has consequences. And the choice of not choosing is a choice in of itself. You know, you can stand up here and give Bible truth. And, and I was taught in Bible college, when you preach truth, give bring people to a verdict. You know, don't just get up and do an exposition on the second toe of the left foot of the beast of Daniel 9 and just leave it at that. I mean, they need that, but they need to be brought to a verdict. Choose to obey or choose to disobey. That's what all sermons should do to people. And the truth is, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to obey later. And then later never comes. And that's the problem. I want you to see this real quick. Okay, go to chapter number one real quick. We've kind of hop, skipped, and jumped through this, but... We talked about God's wisdom, man's choice, uh, excuse me, God's God's counsel, man's choice, and life's consequences. I want you to see this, and we, we read just a little bit earlier, but verse number 20, verse 23, talks about the woman of wisdom. And if you'll just listen to me, please listen to me. And look what it says in verse 24. It says, because I have called, this is wisdom speaking, because I've called and you refused. I stretched out my hand, but no man regarded. Look in verse 25. But ye have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. That's wisdom speaking. That's God speaking to people. And it says, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Here's the problem with people. This is the problem with human nature and all of us struggle with this, including myself. The problem is we don't want wisdom until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I tell you, I believe that m- there are a lot of people crying out, begging God to save them that are in hell. Right off, yeah. Oh God, please save me. Please, I, please, I want my sins forgiven and the blood of Jesus. It's too late. You didn't listen. And I've seen a lot of older people. I've been in church, I got saved in 2001, and this is 2020, so I'm about 18 years now. And I've been in church 18 years, and in 18 years of time, I've I've been around long enough. I'm not an old man, and I'm not trying to project that I know everything. But I've been around long enough to watch a few things take its course. I've been around long enough to see 35-year-old women raising kids in and out of church, and now they're 50-year-old women. And they raise their hand in church and say, please pray for my baby. Please pray for my, ba- my baby. My baby's doing this. My baby's doing that. And, you know, they give sad stories. My baby's a crack hit. She's got tattoos up and down. her. But She's in jail. I've been around long enough to see that. And every time I hear that, I think, what happened to the 35-year-old version of you? when your pastor told you you don't need to be skipping Wednesday night for basketball games and you didn't listen and now you got a crackhead in jail and I, I take this and I don't want to beat up people who have had hard times and terrible things happen to them but can I tell you today that the sooner you start to listen the better off you'll be this is, this is not fun stuff to talk about but it's true. So there's negative consequences, but then also look in verse number 31. Look what it says right there. We got just a minute. Verse 31, Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices, for the turning away the simple shall slay them, the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Look in verse 33, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. That word hearkeneth, y'all see that right there in your Bible? I I circle that word in my Bible. There's a difference between hearkening and hearing. To hear means that you recognize something in an auditory way. You ever ever told somebody something and they heard you, but they didn't really hear you? You know what I'm talking about? To hear means that you recognize something in an auditory way, but to hearken means to hear with obedience or compliance. Meaning, yep, okay, I'm going to do that. That's what hearken means. And the problem with a lot of God's people today, we love to hear what we should do, but we don't implement that in our life at all. And that's the problem with. Many, that's why I see, I see a lot of preachers banging their head against the wall, trying to deal with a bunch of people who want to hear something from the Bible, but have no intention of ever implementing that into their life, and then they, they reap that. I mean they sow a field of sin and then they beg for crop failure. And that's not how this works. That's not how it works at all. Um, let me just say this real quick, real fast. I've got a story here. I, I, I'll end with this, and I want to give you this today. This is an article out of Australia that I found, and uh, I, I started off with the story of the man who the pilot passed out. Well, here's another story it happened just last year, September of 2019, in Australia. This guy was going to. Uh, he went through. He went through flight school and learned all this stuff in books and learned how how all that stuff worked. And he got up there in his very first flight lesson in the pilot passed out. And the article says here, the trainee pilot, Max Sylvester, described the harrowing experience to Australia's ABC News. Sylvester said he was partway through the first flying lesson when his teacher slumped over unconscious. Boy, that'll make you nervous. Sylvester called an air traffic operator who coached him through an emergency landing. Quote, do you know how to operate the plane? The operator on the ground asked Sylvester in audio of the incident posted by ABC. Quote, this is my first lesson, Sylvester replied. Still he sounded calm and collected as the operator helped him land the plane, even managing a joke to joke a bit with the operator. Quote, well, my flight instructor did say I was the best in student he'd had. Quote, you're doing a really good job. I know this is really, really stressful, the operator told him, but you're gonna go do an amazing job, and we're gonna help you get down to the to the ground, okay? Eventually, after nearly an hour, Sylvester safely landed the two seater Cessna aircraft at the, the airport in Western Australia. His his instructor was taken to the hospital and pronounced a stable condition. Sylvester later told ABC News that being a diligent student saved his life. He said, quote, I am just a student pilot doing what I've been trained to do. He said, what kept me alive was my study that definitely saved me. If I hadn't have studied, we wouldn't be here. It's as simple as that. Basically, what he was saying was he got into a place where a crisis was, and he already had a bunch of this in his mind, and he's able to survive that. And the truth is, God speaks, we ignore it, and then the crisis comes and it's too late. He was prepared for that, and he survived. But how many families and churches don't? Because God speaks, and ah, eh, I'm okay. That's dangerous ground, friend. God bless you. Thank you, friend.